Welcome to Podlands, the last word in podcasting news. It's Friday, the 25th of March, 2022. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net. And I'm Sam Sefter, the MD of River Radio. And I'm Alvin Brook, the head of marketing at Buzzsprout. This is exciting, isn't it? And we're in a podcast movement in LA. Uh, Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 427 million people started hosting with Buzzsprout. Uh, 3,886. You can too at buzzsprout.com. And if you use chapters in your podcast app, then Buzzsprout supports those too. And so do we. So we found out what that number was, the Boostergram number, didn't we? We did. Albert, do you want to say? I found out as well. Kevin told us on Buzzcast that he was doing all the boosts based on how many people you were reporting that Buzzsprout was signing up each week. So... Uh, we appreciate that. I guess that means a big boost is in order this week. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good if that works. So yeah, it's been an interesting, uh, an interesting week here, hasn't it? Yeah. The first thing is we've just come out of a packed room. Literally, it was floor to floor. It was YouTube making, we thought, some announcements. Yes, we thought that he would be making some announcements, didn't we? I mean, you were very excited, Alma. You were there tweeting, oh, you know, this is so exciting. This is the most <laughs> exciting thing. It's exciting two ways. I mean, we're, we know all the great things that YouTube has done for podcasting, but once Google starts focusing their eye on something, you know, that there can be big changes quickly. And the room was definitely packed out for that announcement. And we heard things may be announced sometime in the future. Yeah, we did. Uh, he said, do we think that YouTube is the perfect platform? He being uh, Kai Chuck from uh, YouTube. Do we think that we are the perfect podcast platform? No, of course not. That's a lot of things that we can do. But that being said, even today, we think YouTube can be tremendously valuable to many podcasters, blah, blah, blah. Over the next few months, you'll hear some announcements from us as to how we plan to continue supporting the podcast ecosystem. Now, when he says supporting the podcast ecosystem, YouTube doesn't, doesn't do that, do they? That's where you're leading me on this one. No, I, well, I mean, you know, YouTube isn't... Be a, very careful. <laughs> YouTube, YouTube isn't a podcast ecosystem, is it? You, YouTube is its own thing. And yes, it's good for discovery. But it doesn't use RSS feeds. It doesn't import from great podcast hosts like Buzzsprout. It doesn't do any of that stuff. What do you think he means by over the next few months we'll hear? Well, we talked about a lot of things. We talked about discoverability. We talked about their ability to help people monetize and building a community in the comments section. So what we talked about was a lot of what YouTube does great for video can also be done for podcasting. So. We could see something like a rebranding of Google Podcasts and bringing that under YouTube Podcasts. We could see something where YouTube starts turning YouTube channels into podcasts. There's lots of ways that they could go with it. And I'm eager to maybe in a future podcast movement, learn what some of those announcements will be. Part of me actually thinks there won't be anything. I think they're really comfortable. I think when they set it up, it was like, we provide comments, we provide monetization. Our algorithms are great. We do discoverability. And it felt to me like, actually, we don't need to do anything more. You just need to come and use our platform. Yeah, you, you make a great point there. We, we've heard so many rumors over the last couple of weeks. I don't know what rumors you've been hearing, uh, Alvin, but I've been hearing everything from Google Podcasts is closing and podcasts are being moved into YouTube. And I mean, who knows, maybe that might happen in the future, but there seems no real benefit to them doing that. They, they can monetize video content really easily. They've got the technology to do that. Monetizing audio is much harder. So I'm not quite sure what they would be announcing. We have heard announcements of them paying creators to start putting content on YouTube mm. and actually creating video first podcasts. 
they have an audio element, but the video is the primary way for people to consume the content. So we could see more announcements about them working with creators because the thing that YouTube will be able to provide is the listenership and the viewership. They have the people using the YouTube app. And we saw Spotify years ago grew the podcasting ecosystem by introducing new people to podcasts. YouTube has done that time and again. And so we could continue to see them do that in the future. This wasn't the only mention of YouTube here. There's a headliner here who um, the most popular thing now on headliner is sharing to uh, YouTube and they've done automated stuff there. Also Adori Labs announcing all kinds of YouTube integrations with a, quite a clever system that basically adds moving images and that sort of thing to your podcast and sticks it up there automatically. They've uh, worked with Podcast One, they've worked with iHeart Radio as well, and uh, a few other people. So clearly YouTube is a thing and it's good for discovery um, in terms of people finding new shows. But as a podcast app, clearly not. One of the things that we love doing with Buzzsprout is adding chapters and chapter art. James and I have spoken about in the past that if we posted Podland to YouTube, a static image is really dull. And really what YouTube could do was take chapter art and chapters and actually present it like a, a small PowerPoint. At least that would be a little bit more useful. I think Clever FM takes the audio transcription, looks for hyperlinks and presents some show cards. So mm. there are things I think that YouTube could do to make them more visual. Are there any plans that you have to work on your YouTube integration with Buzzsprout? That's actually a feature set that we have decided not to ever really work on. I know that it's very popular and a lot of other podcast hosts have it, but I think we're solving that problem from the wrong side. Everybody's talking about, well, I know some podcasters, they'd like to be on YouTube, but really the problem is how do we get something that is primary to YouTube on YouTube? So how do we create actual visual assets that make it so people would want to watch it? And we've seen the best podcasts, some of the ones we saw in this presentation that are on YouTube is because they're filming the content. And they're showing reactions and it's fun and it's entertaining. And then they take that and they turn that into a podcast. So a lot of times people are pitching ways to get into YouTube. I think the better way is to think about how do we take the YouTube content and turn it into podcasts? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch and uh, fascinating just to see what happens in terms of YouTube and podcasts. Yeah, a friend of the show, Matt Deegan, wrote a report about podcasters using video uh, and he said, by the end of the year, it's going to be essential that podcasters are creating proper video versions, which is what you just said, of shows. He also uh, went on to say, if you're making a podcast now, be ready to produce that video version, whether you like the idea of doing it or not. Yeah, I think YouTube is going to be one of those interesting things that more podcasters have to think about. And whether that means that we are making more crappy TV rather than great Podcasts is my concern, but uh, I don't know about that. You do you do loads of video, don't you, for Buzzcast and for other things? Yeah, so we do a lot of our tutorials that we know the visual component is additive. Mm. We have experimented at times with Buzzcast being a video podcast, and we realized we weren't adding anything to it. And so we were like, we're just showing some bored white guys talking about podcasting. And so we said, you know what, this is better as just the audio version. And we decided to focus on that rather than adding a visual element that really wasn't adding anything to the conversation. That's why James picked me for diversity. <laughs> That's it. That's the only reason I'm here. Anyway, look, let's move on. YouTube said nothing really is his summary. No, but James, you said a lot. Uh, 
podcast movement. You were the keynote speaker. I was the first keynote speaker of many. I'm very excited. So I, I was the warm-up man for Will Ferrell. I have stood on the same stage as Will Ferrell, although not unfortunately at the same time. Um, so that was fun. Yeah, so I unveiled the comments around the Pod News report cards. We got uh, a ton of uh, different pieces of feedback from more than 120 different publishers. So that was really interesting and really interesting seeing what people thought about various podcast platforms and Apple and Spotify and everything else. So, yeah, you were in the room, Sam. What did you take away from I subscribed to Blue Apron. That was the first thing I did. <laughs> I think what it showed was these platforms need to engage with the podcast community. They're not really doing it. Uh, and the feedback they're getting is what they need to hear. And they're not hearing it from their own channel. So good on you for producing it. And I think it was telling that um, only two of the three big podcasting apps decided to hear the, what you had to say, what you'd already compiled for them. So if uh, they're not using their own channels, you want them to at least use the ones that uh, journalists like yourself are putting together. Yeah. And I, I think so what I'm do doing is I'm sharing every single comment with both Apple and Google who asked and Spotify who have now asked. So all, all three do want to end up seeing them. But I thought that it was interesting the first time when I went to Spotify, they had no interest in what I was doing. But I'm so glad your mum answered the survey as well, because Apple's unavailability on Android is hurting the problem. That's your mother is that for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Just no. don't want to pay. No. Lots of people said that. Lots of people said that. And I thought that was interesting. When I was chatting to the folks at Apple about this, I said, there is a lot of comment that it would be great for the industry if there was an Apple podcast app on Android. And in typical a Apple fashion, they smiled and looked benignly at me. And, <laughs> and that was about as far as it went. Do you think that we'll ever see that? I would love to see it, especially now it's been a year since we've had Apple podcast subscriptions, right? And the problem for people to have to go and upload premium content to Patreon and then to Spotify through Anchor and then to Apple and maybe even a free um, feed through something like Buzzsprout. And you have to go and do it four times. That's a lot of work for creators. Apple could simplify that quite a bit with an Android app. And then now you could say, this is the way to get the premium feed and I'm not going to go and put it on 12 other locations. Talking of Apple, they made a big announcement about Apple Connect. What were your thoughts on it, James? Yeah, so they have announced that there will be follower numbers in Apple Podcasts Connect. So you'll be able to see now that's not your total subscribers because people listen in things other, of course, than Apple. But that does mean that Apple and Spotify and Google, the top three apps, will all have follower numbers in there. So for the first time, we can probably make a good guesstimate in terms of our total subscriptions. Um, Overcast also sends those back to podcast hosts, although very few podcast hosts actually surface those particular numbers. But I looked at that and I think I've got 1,200 followers on Overcast but I only get 170 downloads a day from Overcast, which I think, again, says some interesting things there. But are there any standards around what a follower is? No, not really. Do we know, is it an active follower? We don't know any of that stuff, but I think more numbers are always helpful. What do you think, Alban? Every time we get more data from Apple, from the podcast apps, the better that can be standardized and made more transparent to the listeners and to the podcasters, the better. Now, one of the other big announcements at Podcast Movement was the annual Tom Webster show, or the Infinite <laughs> Dial show, as I should call it. Um, he did a great job, very humorous, but very informative. 
Today, uh, we're going to be talking about Infinite Dial. Um, but before we do that, I just wanted to take a moment uh, to really recognize Edison Research, um, Tom Webster, and really what Infinite Dial means to the industry. Uh, we decided to partner with Infinite Dial because, frankly, um, they are the backbone of our industry when it comes to consistent, reliable surveys around digital consumer behavior. Um, Infinite Dial has been around for about 24 years. For me personally, that's, that's my entire career, basically. And it's been um, a steady part of really helping businesses like Wondery make good decisions, understand our consumers, understand how we continue to innovate and evolve in this space. Every year around this time, the podcast industry gathers, whether it was you know, during evolutions or, or even before evolutions existed, and um, we'd all anxiously await uh, Tom's report. And uh, I like to call it uh, the, the Super Bowl of podcast data because it was really, you know, stop what you're doing, clear your afternoon that day, get your popcorn, and like listen to what data was going to get rolled out because it was just so critical to get a look and understanding um, at what was happening in the industry. So. Uh, Tom and to the whole Edison research team, like thank you. Thank you for everything you've brought to us and, and what you're going to present to us today. So I mentioned we've all been apart for the past two years. The podcast industry has changed dramatically in the past two years. More people than ever are listening to podcasts and discovering podcasts. More content than ever exists in the podcast space. That is really, really exciting. Uh, the past two years, though, have also um, had a pandemic, and uh, as part of that, we've all experienced a disruption in behavior. Um, and so what we've seen is uh, a lot of shifts in behavior that you're gonna hear about today um, in terms of no longer having a morning commute, but instead getting some me time midday to go for a walk or walk your dog. Um, consumers uh, finding different habits, different hobbies, making sourdough bread, uh, practicing their dance moves on TikTok. You know, all these things started creeping into our lives um, that have helped us to uh, hopefully come out of it with something positive, but also adopt some new behaviors. And so we're going to hear about some of those today, but I, I think it's really exciting. You know, we saw a lot of shift in behavior at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm not going to say we're at the end of the pandemic yet. We're certainly not there, but we're starting to see another shift in routine and, 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 and behavior change as people come back out to real life events and start commuting again. So that's been um, exciting. And I think one thing that has been consistent throughout the pandemic is there's this deep desire um, from consumers to consume even more content. Um, so that part's been great. Um, and for Wondery, you know, now more than ever, we seek to evolve and really innovate to align with our customer needs. Um, as an organization, we use consumer insights and data to really drive our focus, our business decisions, um, our, our innovations that we're making in our product and content. And um, Infinite Dial and Edison Research are just a critical, critical resource in um, getting the data and information that's important uh, to move our business and the entire uh, podcast industry forward. Um, so with that, uh, I'd like to introduce my colleague in podcasting and my friend, uh, Tom Webster, SVP of Edison Research, um, to present the 2022 Infinite Dial presented by Wondery and Art19. So thanks. 
So the last time that we were all together in Nashville, many of us were masked, and I had a much easier time of it. I was able to use one of my doubles. I, as many of you do, I travel with two to four doubles. Um, and equip him with a mask, and he was able to gesture over a recording. I watched it from Boston. I think he, I think he did a good job. But today, not so easy. I have to do this before you and before uh, the live audience. Uh, I'm so thrilled to be back with people. I'm so thrilled to be presenting The Infinite Dial again. As Jen mentioned, this is the 24th year of The Infinite Dial. It began in 1998. Uh, it is my 18th year with The Infinite Dial. I have a, I have a 17-year-old son. That's how excited Infinite Dial made me when I <laughs> started working on it. Um, and this is the 16th Infinite Dial that we've covered podcasting in. We certainly have the longest stretch of data in the podcasting uh, business, both with this and also with Share of Year and our podcast consumer tracking study. Uh, so a lot of things have changed over the past year, and we worked very diligently to be sure that we captured all of these behaviors and new trends uh, as accurately as possible. And certainly anything that I'm going to show you today, we've also corroborated in multiple studies. So there are definitely going to be some shifts, which I will talk about. Uh, a quick note about the methodology, we continue to use telephone sampling for this. Uh, the majority of those surveys are done via mobile phone. It is hideously expensive to do that. We, of course, do that in English and in Spanish to make sure that this accurately is representative of the U.S. population. Uh, it is an enormous check to write, and before I go any further, I would love it if you would give a round of applause to Wondery and Art19 for writing that check. Thank you. Uh, we wouldn't be here without them. So uh, thanks so much for that. Yeah, I think that the big story, of course, was the fact that the number dropped for podcasting. Yes, lots of increases in terms of online audio and everything else. But I think in terms of the, the actual monthly podcast listener figure, that dropped from 41% last year to 38% this year. There was an audible gasp in the room, which was quite a thing, wasn't it? Yeah, we'd seen stuff ourselves and we validated through other data points. We were like, it seems to have slowed quite a bit. The industry is still growing, but the number of people listening on a consistent basis had tapered off a little. But yeah, audible gasp around the room and uh, no shrieking though. No, I, I was expecting a very American whoops and rounds of applause and everything else. And we got none of that. It was like being at a funeral. But Tom explained it very well that actually it's mostly 12 to 35 year olds and it's people going back to school, going back to work after the pandemic. The data was compiled in January, so we, we should bear that in mind. But January really was the beginning of the return after the pandemic. And so maybe that's it. But does that mean that podcast growth has stalled in reality over the last couple of years? I don't know. I would think that it's more that we had a moment where things were drawn forward. So it's not that it's stalled or that it's turned and gone back lower. It's just that we had a period in time where a lot of people tested podcasting and that was really good. Spotify, YouTube helped drive some of that testing. And then some people said, this isn't the right for me. I'm enjoying the Twitch streams that I'm watching. I'm enjoying YouTube content. And so they're able to go back to the content that they enjoyed more. So I don't see it as a stalling of the industry as much as more people tested it out. Some found out that it wasn't for them. Yeah. Some of the other highlights were in-car podcasting's increased. Everyone going back to work. The other things that stood out for me were the lack of radios within homes and the use of smart speakers. But we've, we talked about it last week, James, that it's difficult for people to get their podcasts to work on smart speakers. It's not intuitive yet. 
And then the other highlights, TikTok surged. Yeah, it's a good job that you've got us a TikTok account. Uh, that's a really helpful thing. And uh, later on, ladies and gentlemen, James will be dancing at Podcast Movement on our TikTok <laughs> channel. So make your way over there to see that once in a lifetime moment. Yeah, no, it was interesting seeing that on the radio receiver ownership. Um, that isn't a story about radio. That's a story about hardware. And there's still an awful lot of radio listening going on. It's just that we listen in different ways. And it's very easy to look at that figure and go, radio's dying and everything else, and that would be completely wrong. Uh, video or indeed smart speakers haven't killed the radio star. In many cases, they've actually helped that. So yeah, that's good news. I'd love to talk a little bit about that TikTok number. We've experimented with TikTok for Buzzsprout, and I'm starting to think of it as a perfect corollary with podcasting. Podcasting is the ultra sticky, but very difficult to grow media. You build relationships and people stick around with podcasts for years and years. TikTok is the exact opposite. Incredible reach, incredible virality if you get lucky, but people do not stick around. You can have thousands and tens of thousands of followers and not get any views if you don't have great content. You pair these, it's like a barbell strategy where if something goes viral on TikTok, you can then transfer some of those people who are interested in the content over to your podcast where it's much stickier. And I've now seen four or five different podcasters that have used this strategy to grow the shows really quickly because every once in a while, a TikTok video does get millions of views. Yeah, there were some great numbers in there. You're right. And the 35 to 54s, TikTok is now bigger than Pinterest, Twitter, Snapchat, and LinkedIn. Um, you know, doing some fantastic figures. And 36% of people in the US currently use that service, which is a increase of 57% over last year. So uh, yeah, you know, it's clearly doing something. Maybe I should sign up to it at some point. No, James, don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it. Moving on, the Ambies were here at Podcast Movement. It was the night before the event started. We went along, James. The winner of it was 9-12. I'm Dan Taberski. Do you want to hear my 9-11 story? Yeah, me neither. Because what I want to talk about is what happened on 9-12 and every day after that. This morning, less than 24 hours later, the signature of the New York skyline is no more. 9-12 is a documentary podcast about how we turned 9-11 the day into 9-11 the idea and how that idea was used to shape the next 20 years. One year ago today, we remember what the terrorists wrought. So we're at war, aren't we? 9-11 became a call to arms. Plane crashes. I say I'm going to join the military. Another plane crashes. Five years ago, America was a nation of peace. I mean, it was really easy to say, you know what? F this. I'm with the terrorists. 9-11 became a dangerous joke to tell. I eventually came up with the headline of Nation Vows to Defeat Whoever It Is We're at War With. <laughs> um. It's when the CIA secretly turned to Hollywood for help. I don't think I would have talked to you 15 years ago. We signed confidentiality agreements, but I mean, come on, guys. It's when conspiracy sprouted, the original super spreader before all that came since. Everything that's happening now is bananas. Like, Sandy Hook is bananas, Flat Earth is bananas, QAnon is bananas. Oh yeah, how convenient that you think all those other conspiracy theories are bananas, but you don't think your own pet theory is bananas. First of all, I don't know what happened on 9-11. What a difference a day made. How much of who we are now is because of what happened then, on that day 20 years ago? And do we finally have enough distance to see it clearly? There is something about this hope for me, that if the disaster is big enough, if the tragedy is big enough, 
We will snap out of it. Whatever it is for each of us, we will snap out of it. From the team that brought you Missing Richard Simmons and Running From Cops, Pineapple Street Studios, Amazon Music, and Wondery present 912. 912 premieres on September 8th wherever you get your podcasts, or you can binge all seven episodes right now on Amazon Music or with Wondery Plus. Not what a difference a day makes. Yes, 912 from Amazon Music, from Pineapple Studios and Wondery. Pineapple Studios doing incredible work at the Ambies. Um, but it was what a great uh, ceremony it was because for the first time, I think, Zoom awards shows are fine, but they don't feel real. And I think this was the first time that actually it felt like this is an industry event. This is something which is exciting, inclusive, um, loads of people there. And I, I just felt, you know, what a positive start to Podcast Movement Evolutions run by the Podcast Academy, who did a great job. Were you, were you there? Alban, did you see any of the Ambies? No, I was landing a Delta flight, but I was following all on aerials. You were landing it, not just sitting there. <laughs> I was, wow, I was bringing the plane in. I had too much to do, <laughs> but I was able to follow a lot of it through aerials tweets. And yeah, it's exciting to see us starting to have some of our real events and for podcasting to get a little bit of recognition. Yeah, no, it was, it was a really nice, uh, really good event and I very much enjoyed standing at the back. And you know Jay Shetty very well, I believe. Yeah, he Jay, the, coming the Buddhist a, monk. Yes. Yeah, he started a life in London, coming out of his Buddhist hole. And uh, we know him very well, so he's going to come on to Podland. And George the Poet as well. So congratulations to both of those. What I would have loved to have seen was maybe an international category, not just UK or English-speaking language. I think it would have been nice had there been other countries brought into that. Maybe next year that's something that the Ambies can look out. I think... We've seen the rise of more international podcasting, and I feel we should bring them into the family and not just leave them on the edge. Yeah, no, agreed. And great to see the Podcast Academy, who are now doing uh, director, you know, you can vote for the new Board of Governors, and 40% of those people are going to be indie, and so that's good to end up seeing. What else is on your list? Spotify. Oh, yes, I've heard of them. I went to their party last night, so thanks for that, guys. But other than that, They've not had another good week. They seem to be going through bad weeks. Jem Aswood on Variety slated them for their recent sponsorship of Barcelona. For you, that's football, soccer. I don't know what you want to call it, James. I'm not sure you know what that is. But Barcelona FC have gratefully accepted $310 million from Spotify. And I think the point that he wrote was very good. So uh, he's saying that Spotify aren't reading the room. Joe Rogan's controversy nearly upended the company, uh, united even more by a largely alienated community of musicians. The staff weren't happy, there was open revolt, and yet Daniel felt that the best thing he could do with his money was to go and support a football team, and he thinks that there's some tangible link between music and football. James, unpack that all, because I'm sure you've got insight to why he supported a football team i've got no insights there i think the quote that i took from that story was that there's just a lack of self-awareness in that company from the bottom to the top and i think that's probably a fair thing it, it, it's just something for spotify to bear in mind that you know you, you lose your reputation quite fast and it takes a time to rebuild that but it's easy as i keep on saying whenever we mention spotify 
it's very easy to kick Spotify. It's very easy to say well, they don't pay people enough. And that's not necessarily true, I don't think. So it may just be grumpy people. So one of the things I asked several Spotifyers last night, who's the final say on podcasting? They couldn't answer it. They couldn't tell me it was the megaphone guys and couldn't tell me if it was Dawn Ostroff. And that said more to me about the internal structure of that company that needs to be fixed. Because if there isn't one person whose job it is to set the direction strategy and what they're doing, then they haven't got a hope in hell. Yeah, a lot of this is uh, actually completely news to me. I didn't know that there were any sort of football sponsorships. I'm almost not unaware of football as a sport, so <laughs> I don't have much insight here as well. Me too. That makes two of us. So there you go. <laughs> so their share price obviously is tanking. It's at 143 this morning, which is close to its all-time low. So my bet that Netflix is going to buy Spotify is looking good, James, for this year. Yeah, you just keep on betting that. And I'll keep on betting that Apple Podcasts will launch an Android app and one or other of us will be proved completely wrong by the end of the year. <laughs> Spotify's other big announcement this week was that the Green Room app, their, their clubhouse competitor, is going to be rebranded to Spotify Live. Does that mean, James, you'll be jumping on board and running a Green Room or a Spotify Live Room? Uh, I, I think if Spotify are clever and crafty, they will focus on music which is what they are best known as. They will use that as a platform to bring in some big stars and things like that. I think at this moment, it's not that interesting. And I think the infinite dial data around these social audio apps shows that it's just incredibly low. So I'm not that excited. Are you, are you excited about Spotify Live? The one thing that stuck out to me in the infinite dial data was that Twitter Spaces was actually the top of all of these apps. And it really drives home the important thing is your social graph being tied to these rings. And so when new apps are trying to join and say, we're going to do the creator experience better, we're going to make it even easier and there'll be more interactivity in the room. That is not close as important as the ability to reach people and to have that social graph plugged in. So um, I think Facebook and Twitter or maybe a TikTok, those are much more prime to create these kind of audio experience than anybody else. Other announcements were Chartable are going to deprecate their Chartable Smart Ads. Is that something that they should be doing, James? Yeah, Chartable is basically going away. So if you have been using Chartable, my understanding is that basically it gets folded into Megaphone and you as a third party will not be able to use it in the future. Podsites continues as a third party uh, service though, but that probably comes as no particular surprise. Spotify has also updated a list of partners that it has for Spotify open access. That's uh, another way that you can get paid subscriptions into Spotify. Acast, which was announced as a launch partner, still isn't in there. So Acast must have had a bit of a change in mind. Spotify has also signed two big French podcasters, which is interesting. Bam -bam -bam and Chose Savoir. Chose Savoir is the number one podcast in uh, France. So that's basically Spotify buying the Joe Rogan of France, although they will not thank me for... Um, I can hear the mon dieu as you yes, say. <laughs> yes, and they're also going to be testing the Spotify audience network, which is the advertising thing in the country. The one thing that Spotify does, which I think is brilliant, or what one of the many things, of course, that Spotify does, which I think is brilliant, is their R&D blog, which is deeply techy, but really interesting. They released a paper last week around how search has been changed for podcasts. So semantic search. So you can now search for things that you would expect, you know, losing weight, and it will understand that, that also means dieting. 
And that also means I'm not saying anything, Sam. It's this, all thank God is not on YouTube, so it's, <laughs> anyone can be anything they like on this podcast. <laughs> but Spotify is still making all of the announcements, aren't they, Alvin, and still pushing forward with their plan to take over the world. This would have been announcements that I would have also have loved to hear from the YouTube team today. We've for a long time been looking at how they surface podcasts for Google search. And uh, it's always felt like it was maybe 20 years behind the rest of Google search. Maybe we'll get some announcements there as well. I like this Spotify is doing this. It'll help more people be exposed to podcasts, especially who are looking for specific things around weight loss and uh, getting slim. Now, moving on, one of the things that we've talked about in the past is transcripts and the lack of transcripts. We've been lucky that John Spurlock and Benjamin Bellamy have given us some great data about actually how little transcripts are included. Now, Buzzsprout do a great job of including that, and we do include our transcript in all of our shows. But I wonder, I think we had a private conversation a little while back. Why do we have show notes, transcripts, and chapters? To me, it could be one document. Your show notes could be the headers of a, a Word document structure, and then the text of it is the transcript. One of my favorite podcasts, Conversations with Tyler's Tyler Cowan, The Economist, that's actually how they do their show. They do a human edited transcript and then they use that to compile the show notes. So it's links inside of the text. I think that's interesting. There's not a lot of standardization around that right now, but it is unfortunate that we still are only seeing one to one and a half percent of podcasters using transcripts. The numbers are higher on Buzzsprout in particular because of our push there, but the ecosystem has a lot of space to grow. And I like to see more podcasts be transcript first. Like they're really focusing on providing a great written experience in addition to the audio experience. Yeah, I mean, Apple and Spotify really need to turn it on, don't they, James? They, they don't have anything yet. Yeah, I think it's really important. And I think a lot of this will depend on the outcome of the Sirius XM court case that disability advocates have brought. And I don't want to be that guy, but it's 2022. We shouldn't be having a conversation about whether transcripts are a good idea. We should be having a conversation with Apple and Spotify about when are you pushing them in and how fast can you actually get them there? It's always been surprising to me when you look at the production value going into a lot of these shows, they are not cheap. They're doing a lot of work. It's just really highly produced content. And yet we can't find an intern or $75 to go to rev.com and get a human edited transcript. And I'm not sure where the disconnect is because it's not a money issue and it's not a technology issue. It seems just to be an issue of care, but there are a lot of people that depend on transcripts to be able to engage with the content. And it makes it so much easier to share the content and discover the content. If we saw more indie apps or Apple or Spotify putting transcripts into the actual players, I think that we would see more adoption from the host side and from the podcaster side saying, this is important to us. Maybe it is just the lack of availability in the podcast apps. Well, watch your space and see if Apple and Spotify do anything. I'm not holding my breath, though. Now, James, you had another big announcement this week. You, you've grown the empire. Explain. Yeah, so the Pod News Network is now three. We obviously have helped Brian Barletta 18 months ago with the Sounds Profitable. Very good ad tech uh, newsletter and uh, all of that stuff. And wanted to do the same with podcast listeners and uh, ways to discover new shows so really pleased to be able to announce that the earbuds podcast collective from Ariel Nessenblatt is joining the pod news network i manage a podcast studio in los angeles and i also run a project called earbuds podcast collective 
I hope I'm standing out as a woman in podcasting. Women are often told that their voices kind of drown out like this and they sound bad in audio. A woman came up to me and she said, I just want to thank you so much for saying that because earlier today, somebody told me that my voice was annoying and I should stop podcasting. And I hope that with exposure, we can stop that. I want people to listen more, not just to podcasts, but to people. Often in conversation, we're kind of waiting for the person to finish talking so that we can say what's on our minds. And that's dangerous, especially in this day and age, in this political climate, we need to be listening more. So we'll be working together around cross promotions, around making sure that people can find great new shows. And it's a great news set. It comes out every week. You can go and uh, get it at earbuds.audio, which is the brand new domain name that I bought for it. And uh, it's great. Five really good episodes from a different creator every single week. It's a super, super thing. Cool. Now, moving on, we were very lucky. The boys from RSS.com took us out for dinner on uh, the first night of Podcast Movement. Very fancy Soho house. One of the comments we talked about was Acast and Acast basically spamming the industry. I think the title of last week's show was Spam, Spam, Spam and Spam from the Monty Python. (laughs) Did that get into trouble for that? I I had a very good, if slightly frosty, half hour (laughs) with our friends at Acast (laughs) the other day. And they were basically saying, uh, what did we do wrong? And I said, I think you know what you did wrong. But yeah, there is clearly a privacy issue with having raw email addresses in RSS feeds. It would be good if the industry were to help sort that out. I don't see too much evidence of the industry caring enough, though, which is a bit of a shame. Have you had any emails from any other podcast hosts? Because it's not just Acast, is it? We've seen this for years and years that every once in a while, someone either buys the list or scrapes the list and decides to email. I think what really stood out to us was that Nearly every Westbrow podcast got the email on the same day from Acast. And they also reaching out saying, was Buzzsprout compromised? Why are we getting these emails from your competitor? And so we felt we needed to be able to reach out and explain, this is not something that we've exposed. Instead, it's a attempt by Acast to grow their subscriber base. Yeah. And I think from my side, Acast doing it when they also offer a service to stop your email being used by spammers in the RSS feed is just a little bit cheeky. But yeah, they're excellent people at Acast and uh, go Sweden. So one of the things we did talk about, though, was possibly using OAuth as a way of making hosts the the verifier of that account. Buzzsprout or RSS would then have that OAuth jump. Because look, we put our credit card with you. We've we've spent a lot of time, so you know who we are. So the OAuth could simply, just like the Facebook jump, could be, yeah, we're with Buzzsprout. Click, you verify, and off it goes, rather than spamming. You just look at something like that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of ideas in this space. James had one where you could turn on and off for the email address to be inside the RSS feed. There's some push in the podcasting 2.0 spec. I even had someone come up to the table today or yesterday and uh, pitch a blockchain solution. Yeah, uh, It was based on some proprietary AI. So I'm not sure if these are buzzwords or a solution, but hiding these email addresses, the web was built on being open and it turns out that people will abuse that. 
Yeah, no, indeed. And Sam just said that Buzzsprout has our credit card information. No, we don't. We're sponsored by Buzzsprout. That's true. We have our credit card information. Yes, more to the point. See you at the party later, James. <laughs> Moving on, then. Some awards, event corner. If you want to be a judge at the Irish Podcast Awards, you still have a chance. Entries are open until April the 11th. And also the British Podcast Awards. You've got three weeks left if you want to enter the British Podcast Awards. Yeah, which is all good. It's always nice seeing podcast award ceremonies from different countries. And I think there is a good place to have individual countries having their own podcast. Arguably, you could claim that, that the Ambies are the American podcast awards, but uh, that may be being slightly unfair. But, but, but I think certainly being able to give Irish podcasts their place in the sun alongside you Irish don't have any fun they're placing the drizzle <laughs> then that's a good thing the podcast show is coming up the new international festival for podcasting in London this May which I seem to have been saying an awful lot uh, recently um, they announced their first 100 speakers loads of very big names both from the UK podcasting scene and from overseas as well they're going to announce another 250 names. wonder if we made a cut. Astonishing. <laughs> uh, yes, we might. We didn't make the first cut. We might. We didn't make the first cut. You can book your day pass from £55, which is already a tiny amount. But if you're a real skin flint, then you can use uh, promo code PODNEWS to get another 20% off a limited number of passes. And that's at thepodcastshowlondon.com. One more event that's come up on the calendar. This one's in uh, New Jersey. It's Podstock. Uh, have you heard of this one yet, Alban? No, I haven't. So you might, you won't be going to it then. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe five conferences a year is about my limit. So. But are you coming to London? I'm not. I had another trip planned. Oh, wow. I wasn't going to be able to make it this year. Okay. But you'll have to let me know for next. We will. Yes. We'll give you some nice, warm, flat British beer <laughs> and you'll be delighted with that. She Podcast Live 2022. Tickets are on sale now. And I caught up with Jess actually here at Podcast Movement. She's announcing or will be announcing She Podcasts coming to Europe or London. Oh. Well, uh, watch this space. Yeah, she was very excited. I mean, she won't be announcing it now. As we've just, we've just announced it. <laughs> there you go. I got the exclusive and I'm pre-announcing Was I embargoed? I don't know. <laughs> I might have been embargoed. What else have we done this week? Has is, is, is it been fun being here this week, Sam? It's been a thrill and a delight to, after presenting a podcast with you for a year and a half, to finally meet you face to face. <laughs> That's been quite fun. Yeah, he did say it was the last time he wants to do it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Except he's got to do it with me in London. <laughs> <laughs> but how was it? It's been great, actually. I have never gone to a podcast movement or a podcast event. I've been in the tech industry and done events before. They're meeting up with uh, Heather Osgood and Jess Kaufman and, and Todd and Rob from the New Media Show, obviously myself, uh, going out, having some drinks. Paris Hilton let the side down a bit last night. She can't DJ, can she? <laughs> She can't DJ. But I, I want to give a special thanks out to Harry Durren, who put me under his wing for the, the few days and just kept me uh, sane with wine and beer. But thank you, Harry. Uh, and literally, thank you to a lot of other people. So it was great to see people. That's who I'm saying. And how has pod Podcast Movement been uh, for you, Alvin? Podcast Movement is the premier podcasting event. We've come to them every year since the very first Kickstarter in 2014. And we will continue to come as long as they have them. This is always the best place to get feedback from customers and new ideas and connect with everybody in the podcasting industry. Highly recommended everybody. It's really good. Coming up in Dallas in August, you should go to podcastmovement.com to grab your tickets. Good to ask you how it was for you. Knackering uh, is the answer. I have realized that trying to produce a daily newsletter and doing full-on podcast movement probably doesn't work too well. So 
maybe I need a little bit of help uh, next time. Firstly, I need to write the tech to allow other people to help, but that's a thing. Yeah, no, it's been really interesting. It's been great to be out of Australia for the first time in two years. Thank you, Scott Morrison, our current prime minister. There's an election coming up. It's the first time I'll be able to vote. All right. Now that I'm a new Australian, so that should be so that should be great fun. But yeah, so it's been great to you, you know leave leave the country and remind myself that everything else uh, exists. So that's been cool. And that's it for this week. If you have enjoyed this show or any of our previous shows, imagine that, then please tell your friends on Twitter, LinkedIn, or TikTok. We're at Podland News. You can also email our brand new email address, which may or may not work, comments at podland.news. You'll also find all our previous shows and our interviews at podland.news. Our music is from Ignite Jingles, and we're hosted and sponsored by, and I can say it now that you're right next to us, our good friends from Buzzsprout. Thank you for coming, Alban. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And keep listening. <laughs>